Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. Today is Tuesday, March the 7th, 2023. And Dr. Tim uh, had something else happening today, so I'm playing a pre-recorded show for him. And then Michael and I will be back for the second hour live. So he asked me to play Way of Mastery, Lesson 3. Hope you enjoy. This is a recording of the book, The Way of Mastery. The book is available through the Shanti Cristo Foundation at www.shanticristo.com. Please visit that website to purchase the book and read more about this information. Lesson 3. The Power of Forgiveness. If I search the languages of your world, I cannot find the words that can convey the love that I feel for you. I cannot find the words that can convey unto you the love that God has for all of us. I cannot find a concept, a word, an idea, a philosophy, or a dogma that can contain the mystery that is closer to you than your own breath and awaits your discovery. If I search throughout all of creation, if I search through the many mansions that exist within the domains of my Father's creation, and that creation is infinite, try as I might, I cannot discover anything that can truly describe you. I cannot find anything that is of greater value than you. In truth, I cannot discover anything that speaks more eloquently of the love that God is than your very existence. Therefore, in truth, I look upon you constantly and marvel at the radiance of my Father's love. It is through you that I come to discover all that God is. When I walked upon your earth as a man, I began to realize that the greatest gift that I could ever receive would only come to me as I chose to surrender every perception that I might conjure up about you, my brother or sister, that would veil the truth that is true about you always. When I was nine years of age, I began to awaken to exactly what I am describing to you. As my father would take me to sit with the elders, and as he would read from the Torah to me, 
I began to be compelled by something within. Something began to speak to me that underneath all of the perceptions that I could create of another, there was something radiant and shimmering waiting to be discovered. I began to feel very different from my peers. I began to be preoccupied with inner things. When I listened to the elders speak, I would often feel as though I had drifted far away from where they were. Pictures would come to me, thoughts would come to me, and feelings would come to me that I did not understand, that I had not assimilated into my being. But something began to compel me. How might I discover how to see only that shimmering radiance? Would it be possible for me to see my brothers and sisters as my father sees his children? I discovered that the way to see with the eyes of Christ begins with the acceptance that I, as a creator, created in the image of God, literally chose every experience and call it to me, that I create the veils through which I view creation. I began to shift my perspective slightly, and I began to be seen as someone who was rebelling against the teachings of my Essene elders. For I began to move away from striving for God, striving for perfection, and began to cultivate within myself the process of allowing. I discovered that if I looked upon my perceptions, my feelings, my behavior, exactly as they were without overshadowing them with my own interpretations, if I could teach myself to embrace things with innocence, veils began to be dissolved from my mind. For when I was nine years old, I had already learned to be fearful of thinking, speaking, or acting in a way that was not in conformity to the prevailing wisdom of that time. Even within the Essene community, which had become rather rigidified, there was already much dogma and dogma always leads to bickering. I began to discover that if I looked with innocence upon all things, a light began to shine through the things I was looking at. And as I rested more and more in this innocence, more and more of the light would shine. As I grew in age, I discovered that the old teachers who spoke of the need to forgive seventy times seven knew something quite profound that had even become lost within the Jewish and Essene traditions of my day. For to forgive means to choose to release another from the perceptions you have been projecting upon them. It is, therefore, an act of forgiving one's self of one's projections. As you begin to forgive, even seventy times seven times, each time you forgive, you take yourself deeper into the purity of your own consciousness. You begin to see how profoundly you have been coloring and therefore affecting all of your relationships through the simple act of not being aware of the power of projection. Therefore I learned, and learned well, that forgiveness is an essential key to healing. The opposite of forgiveness is judgment. 
and judgment always creates separation and guilt. Judgment will evoke a sense of guilt in the one that has been judged unless they are perfectly awake. But more than this, each time that you judge anything or anyone, you have literally elicited guilt within yourself. Because there is a place within you, yet still, that knows the perfect purity of your brother and sister, and sees quite clearly that all things within the human realm are either the extension of love or a cry for help and healing. When you judge, you have moved out of alignment with what is true. You have decreed that the innocent are not innocent. And if you would judge another as being without innocence, you have already declared that this is true about you. Therefore, to practice forgiveness actually cultivates the quality of consciousness in which you finally come to forgive yourself. And it is indeed the forgiven who remember their God. We wish to share with you the power of forgiveness, how to cultivate it, how to refine it, how to understand the depths of it that can be revealed to you as you forgive seventy times seven times, and how to bring up within you that which has not yet been forgiven, but perhaps forgotten. In this lesson, we will also speak of what perception is and what projection is. Beloved friends, these things are of critical importance. For anyone who enters into a so-called spiritual path must eventually face and deal with their deep need for forgiveness, which is an expression of the soul's deep desire to be forgiven. For there is no one who walks this earth who has not been touched by the poison of judgment. As we speak of these things, let not seriousness enter the mind. For in truth, all we are really doing is describing what you need to do and can do to release the burden of illusion that seems to cause you to feel a heaviness upon your countenance and a sense of a lack of safety in the world. You could think of it as taking your rheostat and turning it up a bit by enlightening you, taking your burden of guilt and judgment from you. Therefore, in truth, understand well, forgiveness is essential. What has not been forgiven in others has not been forgiven in you. But not by a God who sits outside of you, for he never judges. What you have not forgiven in another, or in the world, is but a reflection of what you carry within as a burden that you cannot forgive of yourself. You have an interesting saying in your world, it takes one to know one. Do you think you would even be able to judge another if there was not something within you being elicited that triggers within you the belief that you know exactly what the other one is up to. That is why you judge them. Sometimes you judge harshly because you fear that energy in yourself. Or you remember how hurtful you have been when you acted from that energy. But when you have forgiven yourself, rest assured, you will know what it means to walk in this world yet not be of this world. 
you will be able to feel the energy or the activities that any other soul may freely choose. You will discern that energy. You will understand that energy. And you will see through it and still see the face of Christ before you. You will not react, which literally means to act again as you did in the past. Instead, even if you are being persecuted, or to speak from personal experience, to be nailed upon a cross, you will have cultivated the ability to love. And in all situations, no matter what another is doing, your first response will be to enter into the quiet stillness within and merely ask the Holy Spirit, What would you have me say? What is the most appropriate for this other soul in this moment? For when forgiveness has purified the mind and the heart and the emotional field of your own being, you will discover that you exist only to extend love. You are the Savior of the world. In each situation, your role is to ask the Holy Spirit how you can serve the atonement, the correction, the healing that yet needs to be acquired within another soul. So even if one hates you, you will not respond with defensiveness, but with curiosity, with innocent witnessing. Even if your hands have nails going through them, I tell you truthfully, it is still possible to enter the quiet sanctuary of the heart and to ask of the Holy Spirit, what would you have me say or do that can serve the healing of my brother or sister's heart? All that I will be sharing with you, not just in this lesson, but in this course, has as its final goal your complete Christed consciousness and the fulfillment of what your own soul desires, forgiveness. Forgiveness, the bridge to the soul of your brother and sister. There is nothing you can be aware of in the energy of another that you have not known in yourself. There is nothing another can do or say or even imagine themselves capable of saying or doing that you have not also known. Again, it takes one to know one. When you perceive another acting out of hostility or fear, the only way you can recognize it is because you have been there. The very fact that in your world one can murder another's body, and you can react with knowledge that that is inappropriate behavior, is because, as a soul, you know the energies involved in the attempt to murder another. If you are honest with yourself, you can probably come up with at least 50 times in the last year that murderous thoughts have entered your mind. You may not act on them, you may not even dwell on them for more than a split second, but the energy has come into the field of your awareness, and you have known it and recognized it. Who then is less than you? Who then is worthy of your judgment? No one. Who then is equal to you? Everyone. And who then is worthy of your love? Everyone. Forgiveness is the bridge that links you to the soul, 
the essence of your brother or sister. Forgiveness is that bridge that, when cultivated, will allow you to see clearly not just the energies that another is expressing, but you will literally be able to see what events seemed to cultivate that soul's belief that they must act in a way to survive, and what perceptions have led them to feel justified in their inappropriate behaviors. You will see it as clearly as though someone had drawn a picture in front of you. Then you will see skillfully what to say and what to do to gently help another correct their misperceptions of themselves and learn the path of self-forgiveness. And when that hour comes, rest assured, you will walk in this world, yet you will not be in it you will become as I became. You will be the savior of the world. The Veil of Projection What is projection? Projection occurs when there has first been denial within yourself. Projection is an act in which you psychically try to throw out of your ownership everything that you have judged as being despicable or unworthy of you. Something you do not want. So you will project it. You will throw it up and out and let it land on whomever happens to be nearby. Projection is the effect of denial of the first axiom that I have given you. It is the denial of the truth that Nothing you experience has been caused by anything outside of you. Projection is the attempt to insist that reality is other than the way God made it. That you are not powerful. That you are a victim of circumstances. That you are in a world that can actually do things to you and cause you to make decisions that you would not have made otherwise. That is denial and it is a lie. Again, projection is the denial of the first axiom of truth, and you have mastered it well. When you project onto another, you will then believe that your anger or your hatred is justified. In fact, the legal system means merely to take the act of projection and the need to judge and to make it okay socially, so that you need not be concerned with this other as your brother or as your sister who has been crying out for help. Rather, you become justified in punishment. Yet punishment is only the insane attempt to convince the punisher that the darkness, the evil, whatever you call it, is not in them. It is out there. Imagine, then, a society in which the prevalent legal view is simply that your brother or your sister is an aspect of yourself. And if you would help yourself, you must help them, meeting each cry for help and healing with forgiveness, love, and support. Can you imagine for a moment what it would be like to live in such a society? How would it be different than the world you see? you would have these things be different, it must begin with you.
For the way to heal the world is not by seeking to change what is on the outside, but by first changing what is on the inside. When that change has occurred, you will become a conduit for an energy that knows how to use your gifts and how to place you in just the right situations. And a great power will work effectively through you, the power alone that knows how to heal your world. There are many that would love to march for peace by angrily attacking those who make war. But if you would create peace in the world, you must be at peace within yourself. Projection is an act of trying to get rid of what you do not want to own within. It is the effect of denial of truth. Projection colors your brother or sister with the very energies that you would judge within yourself. How can you begin to break the pattern of projection? How can you allow the bridge of forgiveness to be built? It is actually quite simple, but it will require your commitment. Awakening requires vigilance and discipline. I have said to you many times that the world you see is nothing more than the effect of the thoughts you have held within the mind. Therefore, awakening requires the act of vigilance and discipline. The discipline to cultivate a way of living in which you observe your own thoughts, in which you would listen to the words that are coming out of your own mouth, in which you observe the feelings that are evoked within your body, the reactivity that seems to own you, and to see these things as innocent and simply self-caused. When next something is reflected to you by the world that causes you to become angry or causes you to be in judgment, stop right where you are and look, not with judgment of your judgment, but with innocence and honesty. Oh, I see that I'm judging someone. That is an interesting cloud passing through the sky of my awareness. I wonder if I might be able to make another choice. Now the mind will tell you, but this person just broke into my house and stole my stereo. Of course I have a right to be in judgment. I have a right to feel angry. But I say unto you, anger is never justified. It does not mean you will not experience it. But stop fooling yourself into believing that there is some validity to it. When someone has just broken into your home and taken your stereo equipment, or some other idol that you love, what if you understood that you had the power in that moment to remember that all events are neutral? They merely provide you with a chance to choose love. What if you literally chose the insane way, according to the world, of looking upon that one who has just done that act as a brother or a sister who is crying out for help and healing? What if you chose to look upon them as one who does not know how to live in this world without being of the world, who does not know the way to self-forgiveness, who does not know the truth of the light that lives within them, and who does not recognize their great power to create 
whatever they want in a way that is not hurtful to anyone? What if you chose to look upon them with compassion rather than reactivity? It begins in simple ways. To set the stage, I want you to remember that time has been given to you that you might use it constructively. That means when you awaken in the morning, realize that you are in school. You do not have to drive anywhere. You're already there. The universe is literally helping to assist you in having experiences that will bring things up for you so that you can choose to look at them differently, thereby discovering the great power within you, the freedom within you to choose what you want to perceive and to elicit only what you want to feel. So that even if nails are being driven through the hands, you finally are liberated in the power to choose love and therefore to overcome this world. Having said this, understand that each of your days is a blessing and a gift if you use it from the full commitment to awakening. Your day is chock full of a million opportunities to discover a deeper truth. Therefore, never feel the purpose of your life must be something other than what you are involved in. For remember what we spoke of earlier. You are literally creating everything you choose, and nothing is forced upon you. Now we are going to take that thought just a little deeper for a moment. It literally means that if you have decided you want to awaken, you have already called to yourself every experience that can truly best serve your awakening. The friends, family, and people you have relationships with are those who likewise can best gain from the experiences elicited through relationship with you. It means that right here and right now, you are already demonstrating the power that you are seeking, the power to truly choose to awaken and to command the whole of creation to serve you in that awakening. Therefore, when you awaken, in each of your mornings, look around. Who is that person sleeping next to you? They are your perfect companion. They are a messenger of God. For just behind your experiences, there is something deeper taking place. Because your mind is resting right next to the mind of God when you first said as a soul, I want to awaken. I want to go home. The Father answered your prayer and began to send the thought through your spirit and through your soul to your conscious mind. I know how to direct you home. Give up this career and start that one. Move from this location to that location. You began to feel all manner of impulses. You began to read different books. You began to do different things. You met someone and fell in love. All by accident? Hardly. The very thought that you would claim as your own from which you have created the world of your own personal experience is also literally the result of your prayer to awaken. 
and the Father is creating, assisting you to create just those experiences as stepping stones that carry you from where you are to where God is. The result is that your ordinary daily life is the most perfect ashram you could ever be within. It is the holy city to which it is wise to make pilgrimage every day, which means to bring awareness and commitment to exactly what you are experiencing, to be thankful for it, to bless it, to embrace it, to be vigilant and to be mindful. What is this moment teaching me? Having given that as background and foundation, remember that you do not experience anything that is called an ordinary moment. In each and every moment, extraordinary things are occurring. Extraordinary things are occurring in which the whole of the universe is conspiring, which means to breathe together. The universe is conspiring with you to awaken you and to heal you. Trust it. Love it. That these things are true, and I assure you that they are, means that your life, the very life you are living, is equal in power and majesty and effectiveness to any life that has ever been lived. It means that your very life is equal to the one I lived, for it is bringing you home as my life was my pathway home to God. To build on what I shared earlier, the third axiom or principle could be encapsulated this way. I do not live any ordinary moments. With each breath, my experiences are the stepping stones laid before me of God to guide me home. I will bring awareness to each moment and allow it to teach me how to forgive, how to embrace, how to love, and therefore how to live fully. In your ordinary moments a thousand times each day, you will be confronted by opportunities to be disturbed. And in that very moment, you are being given the blessing of the opportunity to choose peace. To remember to cultivate a perception of your brother or sister that is a perception birthed out of the Christ mind, not the egoic mind. Forgiveness, then, can be practiced diligently, and you will not need to look too far. You will not need to make a pilgrimage to some far city. You will not need to go sit in a cave in the mountains somewhere to discover the way to God. It is all around you, because you can only be where you have decreed to be. You have decreed to be there because you, as a soul, truly want nothing more than to awaken. Your life, just as it is unfolding moment to moment, is meant for you. If this is true, and I assure you that it is, the way to God can only be found in your willingness to embrace and live fully the very life that is within you and that unfolds through you with each moment. To live without fear, 
to go forward to indeed trust and embrace the very power and majesty that is the seed, the soil, and the ground from which your life's experience is unfolding. It is precious, it is extraordinary, it is blessed, and it is given to you of God. Would you not embrace the blessing of your life and sanctify it to keep it holy and recognize that your life is worth respect? It does not matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what you think. Beloved friends, your life, your life is your way home. If you do not live it fully, how can you ever arrive home? Therefore, fear not your greatness. Fear not the power that comes from embracing your life and claiming its value. Live it full out with every bit of passion you can muster. Embrace every second of it. Every time you wash your dish and your cup after breakfast, look upon these things and say, My God, this is my life. This is my pathway home, and I'm going to live it. Precious friends, in this way you will come to forgive yourself of the judgments you have made. For who among you has not known the feeling of saying, God, my life is just not worth very much. I will never be like so-and-so down the street. I'll never have enough money. Not enough people are going to know me. When will my work ever get out as big as that person's work? And so on and so on. But I say unto you, every time you have judged yourself, you have weakened yourself. Every time you have judged yourself or another, you have slipped down the mountain another notch when your desire is to be at the summit. How Forgiveness Heals Understanding these things, let us look more closely at forgiveness. How does it work? What really occurs when you forgive? You are a conduit of energy. To the degree that the conduit is in perfect working order, the energy can flow so radiantly that the conduit actually becomes transparent. That is, it no longer blocks. There is no barrier or limit to the light. When you judge, it is as though you contracted and made the walls of the conduit smaller, just like building up rust in your pipes, and the flow becomes less and less. As you forgive judgments, it is as though the rust in the pipes is dissolving. It is as though the walls of the pipe that are carrying the liquid of God's love begin to expand and become thinner and thinner and more transparent. Judgment is contraction. Forgiveness is relaxation, peace, trust, and faith. Forgiveness allows the spaciousness within your consciousness to grow. For when you look upon the thief that has broken into your home and say, I forgive you, you are decreeing the opposite of what you have learned. You are decreeing that nothing can be taken from you of any value. 
you are decreeing that judgment is the opposite of what you want. And it will cause you to feel the opposite of how you want to feel. You are decreeing your power to perceive differently. You are therefore healing yourself. If you ever want to come home, you are going to have to become very, very divinely selfish. You are going to have to become so selfish that you will not tolerate judgment in yourself of anyone or anything because you will begin to recognize that every such act catapults you to the other side of the universe from where you want to be. Judgment causes the very cellular structure to break down. If you could see this, you would never judge again. When you judge, even the cells of your body go crazy. They vibrate in a completely dissonant way. There is contraction. The fluids do not move through the cells. The nutrients do not become transported or delivered to the cells. The waste matter is not properly disposed and processed. Everything gets clogged up, and there is dis-ease. Therefore, beloved friends, understand well that judgment is not something to take lightly. Should you then judge yourself if you have noticed that you have been in judgment? No. That is a judgment in itself. Only love can heal. Therefore, when you know you have judged, simply say, Ah, yes, that is that energy. I recognize that cloud that has just passed through the field of my awareness but I can choose again. So how does this work? If in your ordinary life, that we now know is not ordinary at all, you detect that you have been in judgment of someone or something, recognize that that judgment is still with you. It is a present thing, even though you may have enacted it five minutes ago or 55 years ago, or ten lifetimes ago. When you notice it, or bring awareness to it, you have made it a very present thing. So it is right there in front of you to be undone. And that is what you need to focus on. I am going to choose again. You know the experience of looking back in your life and suddenly seeing a scene in which now you know you have behaved selfishly from ego and that you were manipulative or cunning or hurtful or you recognize my God, I was really in judgment of that person. Oh, if only I could go back and undo it. You know that feeling. I say unto you, you can because everything is present. There is no such thing as past and future. There is only now. So when you have that thought or that memory, it is coming to you for a very specific reason. As a soul, you are learning about forgiveness and how to undo the effects of your previous choices. And it is being presented to you yet again that you might make a new choice. 
when that old memory comes, stay with it. Look at it. Recognize how judgment worked at that time. And then say to that person or that event, I judge you not. I extend forgiveness to myself for what I have created. I embrace you and I love you. I free you to be yourself. I bless you with the blessing of Christ. Then, see that image or that memory begin to gently dissolve into light until there is no trace of it left and be done with it. Right away the mind says, but when I kicked that little boy in the shins when I was four years old just to watch him scream, well, he is not here, isn't he? The body is not here, but the body is not quite the soul. All minds are joined. It means that where you extend forgiveness within the consciousness, within your emotional field to another, whether they be physically present or not, you are extending to them exactly what you could extend to them if they were physically in front of you. Even if they were, they would still have to receive it, do they not? They still have their choice to make, whether to accept your forgiveness or to remain in judgment of you. And that is their issue, not yours. Understand, then, that you are dealing with consciousness. You are not a physical being. You are spirit. And you are intimately linked with all minds at all times. Therefore, forgiveness of another can occur any time you decide it can occur. Anyone you have ever believed has wronged you can be forgiven by you in this very moment. Any time you have judged another and therefore been in judgment of yourself, you can undo that in the very present moment simply by making a different choice. Reactivity indicates the need for self-forgiveness. Rest assured you will continue to project upon others what remains unhealed and unforgiven within yourself. Each time you react to another, you are being given a sign that there is some kind of energy that has been presented to your awareness that you have not forgiven within yourself. If someone is critical and you react every time they are critical, rest assured you have not healed that part of your own being, that part of your own experience of being critical of others. Whether it is occurring now, or whether it seems to be a pattern that you have interrupted and no longer do, you have still not forgiven yourself for being identified with that energy. Use your ordinary experience in each day to observe what pushes your buttons. We will give you a very simple technique for doing so. If you stay with it, it will reveal to you the energies that are in need of your forgiveness. The technique is quite simple. As you go through your day, observe when you feel as though you are in contraction. Are the muscles of the body tight? Is the breath very shallow? Does your voice become faster or louder when you speak about some energy in someone else? That is a sign that you need to do healing within yourself. 
when you recognize that these kinds of signs are going on. In other words, life has presented you with an opportunity to be disturbed. That is a sign that there is something that requires healing. Therefore, count it a blessing if you feel disturbed. Healing Exercise Turn your awareness from what you think is causing the disturbance and remember the first axiom. I am the source of my experience. I am feeling disturbed. What is it in me that needs to be healed? Begin to breathe deeply and rhythmically. Let the body soften and relax and ask, what is it within this person's energy that is really causing my reaction? You will see it right away. Oh, they are so critical. Criticism pushes my buttons. And then ask yourself, when have I done that to another? Where have I been critical of others? and it might hit you right away. Well, I'm being critical because they're being critical. Or memories will come back. Distasteful memories, if you're judging them, let them come back. Continue to breathe and relax. Look upon that energy of being critical. Honor it, love it, for it is a creation. It is your creations coming back to you that you might embrace them and transform them. Just stay with it. Look at it. Ah, being critical. Yes, I sure can be critical. I've been that way in the past. I know that energy very well. Look upon a scene in your memory in which you have been the one being critical. Look upon it with deep honesty and sincerity and say to yourself, I forgive me for being critical. I forgive my judgment of myself. I choose to teach only love. Watch that image dissolve and disappear from your mind. Bring your awareness back to the present moment and that person that just pushed your button. Again, you do not need to say anything to them at all, although you might. But within yourself, forgive them for allowing the energy of being critical to temporarily make a home in their mind. And merely ask the Holy Spirit to replace your perception with the truth. Ask to see the innocent light within them. As you cultivate this, you will become very, very good at it. You will be able to do it as fast as the time it takes to snap your fingers. And once you begin to see the light in them, you can ask the Holy Spirit, what is this critical energy in them masking? What are they really crying out for? Then you will feel compassion for it will be revealed to you why they are hurting inside. And lo and behold, instead of being reactionary toward them, you just might be compassionate. Your choice of words and your own behavior might turn out to be different than you could 
ever have imagined. For through you will flow exactly what serves them. When I was being nailed to the cross, there was one who raised the mallet to strike the nail. And as he raised the mallet, his eyes met mine for just a moment. I did exactly what I have described to you. By this time I had mastered this, so it was done very quickly. I asked myself, how have I ever wanted to drive a nail through someone else? And I remembered my murderous thoughts. I forgave myself and brought my attention back to that one and asked only to see the light in him. And I asked, what is it that this action is mirroring to me? What is it masking within him? And I saw that one's soul, and I loved that one's soul, and I felt compassion for that one. In that moment, mark my words, in that moment of eye contact, that one got it. Because my energy was different, it created the space in which that soul could make a new choice. That soul suddenly saw the entirety of its experience and realized that if it allowed the mallet to fall upon the nail, it would be a decision to choose to continue being nothing more than a doormat for other people's perceptions. And in that very instant, that soul decided to follow a path that would lead to sovereign mastery and never again be a pawn of any government or any group or any faction or any one. He dropped the mallet from his hand. This was a Roman soldier. He stood up, walked away, and disappeared. That one has gone on to become a master that is known by literally thousands of beings. He is not in physical form. This one visits many and teaches many. This one indeed incarnated perfect mastery and therefore transcended the world. And it all began as the result of my desire to teach only love. Now we have a very good friendship. So you see, you may not know how powerful your choice for healing is. You may not really see how deeply and profoundly it will affect you as you go on being a creator and you go on forever you could never possibly know what fruits will be born from that tree in the life of another but because all minds are joined when you choose healing through forgiveness you literally create the space in which the other can also heal their life let no moment then be wasted. See nothing as ordinary. And see not the perceptions taught to you of the world being justified within yourself. Be wholly committed to rooting up and out of your being anything that is unlike the love of Christ. Think not that I am the only one that can live this way and love this way. It is not true. You are here to love as I learned to love. Why? Because you are that love. Everything else 
is just a smokescreen. Forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is a skill and an art that will pay you dividend upon dividend upon dividend upon dividend. It will never cease paying in you. Each moment in which you choose forgiveness, you have literally saved yourself a thousand years of suffering. I mean that about as literally as one can mean it. In short, every act of forgiveness is a miracle that shortens the need for experience in this dimension. When you find yourself in a situation that you believe is too big, rest assured it is because something big has finally come to the surface to be healed within you so that more power can shine forth through you. Why? You have reached the place where you are ready for it. More of Christ can be lived. Ending your day. It is very, very important to let each day be sufficient unto itself. When you end your day, always truly end it. Do not take four hours of ritual. You can do it within one breath. As you take a deep breath, as you rest your head upon the pillow, look upon the whole day, embrace it with your consciousness, and as you let your breath go out, say silently to yourself, I release and forgive this day. It has been perfect and it is done. Let it go. Just let it go. Why? If you do not, you will just bring it with you. Do you know that experience? And for three weeks you are lamenting, Oh my gosh, why did I make that decision three weeks ago? If only I would made a different decision, this would not have happened and that would not have happened. That is probably true. But the point is now, three weeks later, you are still hitting yourself over the head by bringing the past with you and you miss the glory of the present. You have all heard that a thousand times because it is the truth. Consciousness is a very subtle and powerful thing. You cannot help but create. Remember, the goal of this pathway is to learn to deliberately create with perfect mastery. Therefore, look upon the things of the day and say, it is very good, and it is finished. Each night when you rest your head upon the pillow, and you know you are about to go off to sleep, be just like God in your biblical story of creation, in which it is written that on the seventh day God rested. God was finished, in a sense, within the story. Have that same quality at the end of each of your days. If you are carrying some kind of emotional reaction because of something someone said or did, or something you said or did, practice forgiveness before you sleep. If you do not, you will keep experiencing the conflicted energies during your dream states, and communication between you and the other one, who has not yet been forgiven, will keep going on until that forgiveness is complete within you.
It is very important. Time should never be taken frivolously. Play with it, yes, but play with it out of consciousness, out of clarity, out of recognizing that there is no such thing as an idle thought. Each thought creates a world of experience for you, and you are worthy of experiencing heaven. We will have much more to say about forgiveness as we begin to plumb the depths of what is discovered as you practice forgiveness 70 times 7 times. It takes you deeper and deeper into the very mechanics of consciousness itself, the very mechanics of creation. Put forgiveness at the top of your list until you know how perfectly forgiven you are. Be therefore vigilant against denying what is still in need of forgiveness within you. For what you deny, you will project, and each projection is a hurtful act to yourself. Of course, it is also hurtful to the other, but primarily to yourself. There is much that has been said in this lesson that needs to be read again and again so that the mind begins to truly grasp how important and how powerful forgiveness is. You will reach a place where you absolutely delight in going through your day expressing forgiveness, like a wave emitting itself from the ocean of your consciousness, even if nobody is doing anything. Forgiveness itself becomes a delightful energy to live within. Beloved friends, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself well, and you have forgiven Christ. When Christ is forgiven, Christ will arise and make his home in your heart, your mind, and even in the cells of your body. You will know what it means to walk in this world, yet not be of the world. And you will look in the mirror and say, Behold, the Savior appears. It will not be egoic arrogance that says it, but the recognition of what is true always. I am my Father's child, and I am sent into this world to bring light to it. Be you therefore at peace. Practice forgiveness well until it becomes like taking a breath. You will discover power that you did not know could exist and a freedom whose taste is sweet above honey. I forgive you, not because I have judged you, but because I know the blessing that forgiveness brings to me. Forgiveness is something I perfected as a man. Perfect it within yourself as well, and you will know the glory of Christ. Be you therefore at peace, beloved friend. Amen. That was a pre-recorded uh, Way of Mastery Lesson 3. And I have put in the notes for today the website that he gave uh, where you can go and pick up the Way of Mastery. And that is shantichristo.com. And so that is in the notes for today. Jim had something else going on today, so he needed to play a show for him. And tomorrow I will be headed to Asheville, unless something happens that changes it, 
to pick Michael up and bring him back. So tomorrow we will play the fourth uh, Aramaicism that, uh, out of the series that we played last week. I did find out, someone has uh, called and told me that part three, the one that we played on Friday, had cut off at 27 minutes. So I've put a link in the notes for Friday where you can actually go to our YouTube channel and watch and listen to part three. And so that's out there if you missed it and you want to go back and pick the whole thing up. And I appreciate Michael uh, T. for letting me know that that was messed up. Anytime that anything happens on the website that's not operating correctly, please drop me a line or call me or text me or something and let me know and I will get it corrected. And so I thank you for that. Um, for those who may not have been listening and don't know, um, TJ, Michael, so, uh, they've been getting things wrapped up and getting a lot of things done. And uh, so unless something changes, he will be coming home tomorrow. And oh, I see that he just has joined us. So welcome, Michael. That is the plan, to be home tomorrow. So looking forward to seeing your sweet face. And delighted and to have this too. opportunity to, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Delighted to have this opportunity to uh, move the conversation forward on the next level in regard to this amazing tool called forgiveness that, uh, when actually used, tends to disappear the world of conflict and have us functioning as human beings. It's like, how could it possibly get better than that, functioning out of actual human life? And so the whole point of everything we talk about, everything we're moving toward is how do I recognize what's false, how do I undo it, and how do I get to the truth of who I am as a human being? And how do I restore the energy flow throughout my structure so that I get to return to that truth of who I am. And so the core tool that we're working with is the tool of removal, the tool of forgiveness, the willingness to undo what never belonged within the structure. That is to face and undo everything that's based in anything other than love and giving up all the reasons we have for doing those things. The mind, you know, <laughs> rationalize. If you break that word down, rationalize. The mind will rationalize any kind of behavior that you decide to do and, and decision is different than choosing. There are two totally different actions there. One of them is the mind forcing something on us from the past simply because the content is there and it's resonated into activity. It's called a decision. And it can, you know, be anything from the, the mundane to the insane and bizarre. You know, if I say don't think about the color of your car, what moves in your mind? Well, there's a thing called resonance. My voice sets up a frequency. It hits the speaker on the phone, sends it perhaps thousands of miles to get to you through several different stations and resonates something in your mind. But... What resonates in your mind is what's in your mind. And so 
don't think about the color of your car, generally through resonance elicit something about the color of your car. That's not something you've chosen to think about. That's a decision. Choice is where we have the ability to introduce something into a mind that already has a thousand reasons to be angry, to be negative, to be pissy, to do something other than function as love, to give up our human lives as though that's worthwhile. Of course, I'm, I'm uh, getting a really powerful lesson in that being here with, uh, with Michael, Jay, and Jamie, and having been with CJ a couple of days ago when she passed. And, you know, basically we're packing her stuff up. And uh, it's not the first time I've done that in my life. And what occurs is, hmm, what was this life really for? What was it really about? Was it this stuff that's now going to goodwill or going to the trash or being burned or what have you? What is it really for? What is it really about? So many people spend so much time trying to accumulate that stuff and put it all in just the right place so that they can pretend that there's nothing inside of them that needs to be dealt with. But if our minds are capable of producing any form of hostility or fear, then there's something in our minds, no matter what the mind's reason is, oh, yeah, it'll always have ration lies. It will always lie to us and, you know, find something wrong with self or others to prove that I'm right and unjustified in using this set of words, this energy in my voice, this energy in my fist, or what have you. And when you realize that the only reason we ever do any of that sort of stuff is because we had a power person. And that power person dynamic has been going on for generations and generations and generations. Now, there's a great line in The Course of Miracles that says, your wholeness can never be really hidden in darkness. But you can deceive yourself about it. Truth about you. Go back to the moment where you were held as a newborn child and everybody who held you knew exactly who you were. What happened to that self? What happened to that sweetness? What happened to that state of being? If our generational patterns, if our family system, if our culture instills darkness within us, then we can pretend that we're not that. And it's all a lie. And the greatest gift that you can give to yourself and another is to be aware of that about yourself, especially in the moments where your mind's got a thousand reasons to condemn you or to condemn someone else or to play out the power person dynamic. So the only error here is an error in perception. In truth, darkness is just an absence. It's, it's not a positive presence. You know, people say, I'm in a dark mood. Well, why are you in a dark mood? Oh, gee, there are thought disorders that block me from being aware of who I am as love. So I'm functioning out of those thought disorders. And if you fail to perceive the light that you are, then you get to believe that there's darkness. And those beliefs mean absolutely nothing. Yes, your mind's got a whole story. It's got a thousand generations of stories about why it's justified and why it's the only option. But the truth is, they don't mean a thing. It's just a repeating of thoughts from the past, from what's been modeled for, you know, another lesson that I'm getting here with... Uh, with Kaylee Joe, you know, she's five months and you want to talk about mimic. It's just awesome to watch whatever takes place. She's mimicking it. 
And so if we've identified with the thoughts that our power person or those who modeled behavior for us did, then we'll tend to take on that identity and play out of. Identification means that you make the perception there's you and something outside of you and you're going to choose that particular power person dynamic or power person behavior, but it's not a choice at all. It's just a decision. The challenge is to really bring choice, to bring the power of the spiritual being, the created essence of love that you are, into the space in your mind and choose, the Course says it beautifully, choose once again. Choose once again. And all of that is a battle going on in the mind. You know, we go back to Paul, he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He knew. Now, unfortunately, he didn't know how. We have very powerful evidence of that because he says it in his own words. It's like he's saying, I know what I want to do, but why is it the things I would do, I cannot? And the things I hate, he says, are what I do. Have an understanding of how forgiveness worked, how to chip away at the energetic patterns held within his own mind. He knew the mind needed to be renewed, but he didn't know how to get to the unconscious part of the mind to clean it out, which is so precisely, powerfully, I don't even know what words to say, amazing that Yeshua taught exactly how to do that. So discomfort is a mental attitude of pushing back and forth and back and forth on, from this state of being to this state of non-being. Truth is that all those thoughts that go into building the self that Yeshua said in order for you to live, you've got to die, have to be forgiven, have to be corrected. And it's not a work that most people want anything to do with. Oh, it sounds great. Everybody wants the result. But doing the gut level work, going inside and dealing with those things is a challenge. So when you recognize the truth about who you are, that you are part of this energy system called life, you know, in the ancient teachings they talked about the mystical body of Christ. That wasn't a religious idea. They were just saying that, okay, so you have a perceptual mind that's been trained to see things, so now you make things where things are not. You know, if you look at yourself in the mirror, if you could actually adjust the rate of vibration and actually see what's reflecting in the mirror, you'd see this whirring mass of electrons, protons, neutrons, and light. But you won't see that. You'll see a body. But there's no body there. What exists is this energy field designed to function, designed to be an expression of love, to bring the active presence of love and, you know, as it were, pour it into the world. And go back to the Aramaic definition of the word prayer. It doesn't mean to put an order into the cosmic gift catalog. It, it means to, I mean, quite literally translated, it would be to set a trap for God, to become the space energetically. You know, the scientists are telling us we're moving through space at about 4,000 miles an hour. We seem like we're standing still. It doesn't appear that way. Our mind is adjusted to make this our norm. 
But what we know is when two fields that are have a match with each other, an atomic magnetic match with each other, is there's an exchange of energy between them. So prayer, as opposed to telling the creator what the creator should be doing to, and it's originally Aramaic, is just it's it's a, an everyday practical word that points to a state of being that's possible for us, where we function as and out of love. And the fact that we're moving at this speed through an energy field, you know, we're also told in him, in the creative field, we live, move, and have our being. Now, when you put those two together, the same way as when you start the engine on your car and you have an alternator, the fact that that alternator is moving through a magnetic field generates energy that keeps your battery charged, that keeps your lights going, that keeps your ignition firing. Motion and resonance create energy flow. So to set a trap for God means to become the space that when properly aligned and, and properly oriented, knowing your purpose, you literally capture the energy of love that you're moving through high speed and with, with no effort whatsoever. It, doesn't, it isn't something you have to effort it's something, you know, it's like the, the alternate doesn't have to say, oh, let me see if I can catch that magnetic field and stress and strain and effort it. It just moves through the field and the exchange of energy happens naturally. Now, if we carry all kinds of power person dynamics of hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, shame, blame, condemnation, you know, then, then those are the things that will move in us and they're the things that will draw to us through resonance to play out. And each time it plays out, it's our opportunity to go, oh, is this part of my true nature? If I play out of this, what am I rejecting to do that? Oh, I'm rejecting functioning as a human being. I'm rejecting the very truth of who I am. And, of course, the mind has all kinds of beliefs that will say, and, and here's the person I could pour it on. And sadly, oftentimes, that person is the one you look at in the mirror. So recognizing that your perfect natural state is wholeness. Many people talk about creating boundaries. Well, when you create boundaries, you create something artificial. It takes a lot of effort. keep that going. So all judgment is the process of holding on to energetic patterns from the past that are nothing but units of energy stored in the structure that reflect as constructs of the mind. Again, that idea of in order for you to live, you've got to die. The self that that holds the belief that they're separate from everybody and everything. And, of course, the power person gave them some really, you know, dandy thought disorders. And when they function of those thought disorders, of course, what happens? Well, it couldn't be mine. There's denial. Look what you made me feel. And now I dissociate from the very cause of what I'm feeling and can't correct it until I take ownership again. Every one of the tools is about how do I get back to taking ownership of that which I've dissociated from. In truth, 
There is one eternal, perfectly awake awareness of love. And to reject that is to destroy self. So our objective is to make these tools as universally available as possible and to dissolve from perception that which is based in hostility or fear, which means dissolve it from your energy field, which means they are, these energetic patterns are dis-ease energies that reflect as diseases and and ultimately, literally, reflect as aging in the so-called body. To return to the point where love is restored and, you know, the challenge, when you recognize that every thought you think, every feeling you feel, every reality you engage in is stored holographically in every cell in your structure, including the sperm and the egg, you realize that that's what you have in your structure. And it's so tempting to fall into that. You know, that whole conversation about temptation. To fall out of awareness of self as love and to function out of something less than that. So when you make the choice to recognize, well, I only want what the Creator created for me. I only want what love created me out of and what love created me for. Then you begin to perceive the constructs of your mind become something different. And appreciation you know one of the one of the big power person games on the planet is you know oh what we should have could have had what we want to have which dampens totally and completely appreciation for what we already have and you know to me it just it more and more occurs to me to recognize just what an amazing gift it is to have a human life. And of course, there are a thousand people around that will find a complaint and a reason why it's the pits. But, I mean, in all of, you know, we look out into space in these telescopes and all of what we see, this is the only place we know of at this point where life exists. And we get to have one. How cool is that? And yet, with that possibility of recognizing and experiencing oneself as love, not dependent on the external circumstances. If your happiness depends on any person, place, thing, or event, you're in trouble. Because now what happens is somebody out there does something that resonates what you've dissociated from and you tear yourself out of awareness and appreciation for who you are and what you have and you get lost in that story, that generational story. That story is called the ego, and we're habitually caught up in that ego thought system. Then we only look at what our minds have made and how whatever the thought disorders are about myself or the people around me, I build pictures, I build a perceptual, I construct the whole world. Remember that lesson from the Course, what is the world? The world is false perception. It is born of error, and it doesn't leave its source. You know, we say, oh, that person made me. Excuse me. That person brought up for me, but that person didn't make me. If I believe that that person made me that way, all of a sudden now, 
I have no will. So the world is false perception. It is born of error, and the errors are thoughts, and it has not left its source. And, you know, that particular lesson in the course, and you go to our YouTube channel, just go to YouTube and type in Michael Rice, and look for the lesson, What is the World? We actually have a two-hour video of it our catalog, but there's a 30-minute presentation of it on the YouTube channel. It has not left its source. It will remain no longer. Here's the key to all the healing. It will remain no longer than the thought that gave it birth is cherished. And the thought may be 20 generations old, passed from generation to generation to generation. And when a power person is functioning out of some form of hostility or fear, and it usually is apparent then the child has that thought already in their genes, so it's easy for it to be activated. And it takes over, and it destroys lives. It destroys the moments of sweetness and life that we could be having and trades it in for, well, if only I could fix them, if only they'd be different, then I wouldn't have to feel this. But you know, sooner or later, as, as I like to say, you have to notice that you've been through it 87 different times with 42 different people. And I'm the only one that was there every time it happened to me, so maybe it's about me. Maybe I've got something to do with it. And there's the work of healing. And whatever thought we hold of darkness, it will appear in that world between our ears, the false perception. What is the world? The world is false perception. That's the only place we need to aim forgiveness is at the world of false perception. We never need to forgive another for anything. In our minds, it seems like there are places that are light and there are places that are dark. The illusion of darkness is only maintained as long as you, light, refuse to look at it. So if you keep it hidden under the surface of the mind, then it will create appearances in your mind and the unwillingness to simply bring it forward, embrace it, and be with it is what perpetuates it. We can only maintain the illusion that darkness is real by not looking at it because the minute you look at it, light displaces what appears to be a presence called darkness, presence in that darkness. And this is a process that happens in the mind. And it's one that we don't have to do on our own. You know, to remember what Yeshua taught about, there's this feminine elemental force in us called Rukadukucha that is there to assist and support. And, you know, the places where you value the darkness... By valuing it, you deny access to it, to that power that would undo it for you. She who undoes the effects of our errors and teaches us the truth. As long as I, I can say to the cow, oh, I want to be finished, I want to be done with it, I want to be done, I want to be done. But as long as there's a part of my mind that says, well, you know, I might get attacked tomorrow and I might need this, so I'm going to hold on to this piece of darkness then your mind will find a thousand different places. I mean, 
There'll be a whole procession of people your whole life long that will contain the very darkness that you are most terrified by. Why is there's not a whole procession of people? (laughs) The only place that procession of people exists is in the constructs of your mind. And when we let go of that, we start to realize that we are ourselves in one structure. The ancient teachings called that structure the mystical body of Christ. Nothing religious about it. That we are ourselves in one structure. But as long as we're living in perception, we experience ourselves as separate and separated from the rest. Albert Einstein says that's an optical delusion created by the mind. If you think you are separate or separated from the rest of humanity, Einstein says, you're living in an optical delusion. And those who live in an optical delusion feel the effects of their illusion. And therefore, they become convinced it must be true because I've been feeling it forever. It must be so. (laughs) And it's all based on a generational lie. It isn't so. So forgiveness accesses the dissociated part of the mind where those painful experiences are held. And yes, they will come forward. You will confront them. But if you are committed to staying connected to love, to the light, rather than falling prey to the darkness, then the darkness, because it is an illusion, dissipates and disappears. Nobody has ever invented a flash dark. You know a device where you push a little button and all the light goes out? We have a flashlight. Yeah, you push a little button and the darkness dissipates because the darkness is an absence. Fear, hate, grief, greed, hate, condemnation, gossip, slander, vengeance are all in the same realm. They are the absence of light. So when you open the veil of the temple, the barrier between your own subconscious and unconscious mind, and you allow what you thought was darkness to come forward, and you do that in the presence of love, then the darkness is dissipated. But if there are thought disorders you won't face, that you won't look at directly, square in the eye, or if there are thought disorders that are too painful to look at, or at least your mind tells you they're too painful to look at directly, then you'll keep having to make up a world of other people and put it into your brain's image of them. So it's a whole renovation of the mind, the renewal of the mind, as Paul talked about. And it creates a transformation. Break that word down, transform, trance to go beyond form, to go beyond form, to get out of this picture, this false world that we've created, that we're all separate beings running around in separate chunks of flesh. Now, that's a pretty good appearance. If you've ever looked at a hologram, I mean, we know that the hologram is just an intersection of light coming from different directions. But boy, does that hologram look real. Wow, look at it. There's a body and there's a mirror and there's a a fan and there's a TV and all these things that seem so real. And we've settled in, you know, from the beginning. We had the authorities in our lives tell us those things were real. One of the things I often do with... with, uh, Aria, as we raise her, do our part in raising her, is to remind her, well, we call this a body, we call this a hand, but if you could look with your eyes, remember your hand is just something generated by your brain. If you could look with your eyes, you'd see this worrying mass of energy. 
It's not a physical thing. Well, but everybody believes it is. Well, okay, so everybody believes it is. Does that mean it's right? Let's listen to Einstein on this one again. Let's let's listen to, I think, a genius brain that pretty well everybody can honor and respect and go, hmm, or at least question themselves when they say, I'm conflicting with Einstein here, and I know better than Einstein. So here's what he says. On such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have become so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. We do not live in a material world. Our eye, our brain makes up this material world. It's so much fun with Aria at four to get into any object of attention and, and you know, she'll say, oh, let's, let's see if we can find more realities. Oh, my reality, the reality my mind's putting out about that is this. And I've got a different one. And Jeannie's got a different one. And we made a game of it. So what we're teaching her about what we call the body, we're teaching her that, okay, so this is what we call it. We're teaching her geography. We've got a map of the world. And we say, and here, and here's the United States. But guess what? There is no United States. It's a fiction. It's a helpful fiction. Maybe sometimes, unless you're making war on somebody. But it's nothing but a fiction. There's no line between Mexico and the United States or Mexico or Canada and the United States. It's a fantasy. The United States, America, Canada, Russia, it's all fantasy, all made up by men. Why? To do what? Create separation. And so we live and perceive in a world of separation. And it's hard to imagine that that's false. And it's hard to even talk about the truth because everybody, you know, the truth of it, the actuality of it, because everybody's been so deeply brainwashed by the culture and the generational patterns of the family to believe those things are true. And, you know, the the, the truth is we live in a world of make-believe. First you make it up, then you believe it, then you go out to produce evidence to show you that it's true. And you're right, it's true. It's not the truth, but it'll show up as a truth in your mind. Begin to suspect that when your mind is generating even the least little bit of hostility or fear, that your mind's not telling you the truth anymore, and you've not got a wedge to drive into its insanity and begin to shatter the insanity and make the space for the truth of incarnating as love. And changing the whole game. And that's what every tool we teach is for, is to provide that support in recognizing who we are. So that's my game for today. How about you? What's on your mind? Anybody out there with a hand up in the phone queue, Jeannie, or anything happening in the chat room? Uh, chat room's messed up again today. It's just spinning. Ouch. I've written to them. I don't know how many times, but anyway, so there's nobody in the chat room, not even me, <laughs> and mm. there's no hands up. So we have 27 minutes. Oh, a hand just went up, and I believe it's Miss Susan awesome. six one zero. You're on the air. Okay. Well, great welcome, talk, Michael. Thank, Thank you. you. Welcome home, almost. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow morning at 11.30, I'm on an airplane, so you won't hear my voice live tomorrow. Okay, well, 
I can understand why. <clears throat> I have a question. Where do you fit in what Jesus said about why callest thou me good? There's no one good but God. Well, it's just a simple truth. What what he's acknowledging is, I'm not finished with my work yet. You know, the the person who doesn't want to do their work wants someone to fix everything for them. And there's several times we talked about that particular passage in the scriptures where the uh, there are a group of disciples and they ask him, and he answers them. He tells them, you know, there's work to be done, and their response is too hard a saying, and they left. Right. And so those who would leave when they're told, I mean, when you start thinking about what's gone on in your bloodline and my bloodline, you think about the wars, the the conflicts, the the personal insanity, the you know, the just the whole crazy game that humans non humans have tended to play. And it's re- very appealing to go, Oh, so I don't have to look in here and do my work. I can pretend there's one out there who's done it all, and he's just going to touch me with the, with his finger, and then everything will be okay. That's a really appealing fantasy. Somebody else is going to take care of it. So when they call him that, you know, the perfect one, he says, well, why do you call me perfect? <laughs> none of us is. None of us have finished our work. When you realize that... <clears throat> There are a thousand generations. You know, when I when I look at the story of him going into the Garden of Gethsemane, and the world, the the, the, the phrase is used to taking on the sins of the world, and that's interpreted as a suffering, terrible, horrible thing. When in fact, what we see there is you've got a a naturopath's hat on from the naturopathic point of view. What you see is a healing crisis, and an extreme healing crisis in which, if one were going to do you know, a, a giant major piece of work from a naturopathic point of view, the healing crisis would look like sweating blood, and we're told that's what he did. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, up until there, he's what he's in essence saying is, I'm not finished yet. I'm still doing my work. So there's one who's perfect. There's one that you can connect with. And if you do, then you will be moving in the direction of your perfection. And ultimately, he says, be perfect. You know, do the work until you come to the point where you function as love. And every thought disorder from your structure and your generations and your culture has been healed. So he's just saying, I'm not done yet. That's how I would hear that. That's good. That reminds me of something else. When he went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, he had to banish the bad guys, Satan's angels, before the good angels could come in. And so I don't know why that popped to mind when you're giving me your answer, but perfect. it's as if we have to clear the space the angels to come in there's there's no force there angels aren't going to swoop in and rescue us they're going to come when we invite them and we have to do certain things to get ready for them to come in and there's got to sorry michael you cut out are you still there i'm here you're cutting out some more 
Yeah, you are. Okay, is that better? If your microphone's loose. Is that better? Have you got it? Sounds Hello? better there. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear us? So, so let's put that in context of uh, a piece of psychological research that came out of Harvard back about 60 or 70 years ago that I talk about all the time, and that is that in the lab, they hook a person up to electrodes and they're measuring brain cell firings. And in a time frame where they can measure 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity going on, so there's a whole lot of unconscious energy moving, the max amount of data that goes into conscious awareness is nine bits. Mm-hmm. So we have this screen of projection, this, this screen where we have our perception occur, and it's a very tiny piece of, or, or there's only room for a tiny piece of what's going on in the overall structure at any given moment. So if one's locked into all sorts of hostility and fear, and that's what's moving in them, and that's what's filling the perceptual mind, then there isn't room for, and, and one proper interpretation of the word angel is a thought from the creator, a thought from God. So if if all kinds of hostility and fear are moving and the the screen of awareness is filled with that hostility or fear, how do you ever get out of that? How do you change that game? How do you get the angels in there? Well, Yeshua says it very succinctly in The Course of Miracles. Let go all the things you think you want, your trifling treasures put away, and leave a clean and open space within your mind for Christ to come, for the mind of love to come. Mm level. If I'm in the office on Tuesday morning and some customer comes in raging and I rage back at them, there's no room for love to enter my mind. I, the demons have got me in, in that, you know, in that context yeah. or that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. So how do I, I how, let go all the things you think you want? This to me is just so genius. You cancel the goal that's driving your mind to use your demons, to use your hostility and fear to create perception. You cancel that, you collapse that perception by canceling the goal, and now you've got to clean an open space within your mind where love can show up. And whatever mm-hmm. has been opened in the unconscious with the, you know, the quote-unquote demons, that is the, the thought disorders of the generations, whatever the perception is rooted in by canceling the goal when that perception collapses that which is at the root of that pained perception or that demonic perception, one might say, in that old language context, that energy now comes forward in the presence of active love. And in the presence of active love, it dissolves. There, there's, it, 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 again, it's darkness, and it dissolves in the presence of the light. But if it's so, hidden under the surface, it can keep reappearing if we never embrace it and deal with it, every time it's triggered into activity, it takes over and blocks awareness of the presence of love or light. Well, it makes total sense that Jesus would be triggered into fear. He was facing his death and knew it. But he's basically saying what you just said is, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm cl- trying to clarify. When he went into the desert, he had work to do still. Those demons exactly. wouldn't have shown up. Okay. Whoa, that's so interesting. That's what he went to do. And then he comes out and he confronts Peter, who, you know, he's he wanted yep. to bring a sword, and Yeshua gave him permission. Okay, bring one sword. All right. 
If you got to have one, go ahead. And then when Peter uses it to attack, if if the world could just hear this one idea from Yeshua and accept it and live by it, the whole game would change in an instant. Mm. And that is Peter. If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. Now, it yeah. doesn't matter whether the sword is a nasty thought or an actual sword or right. a gun or a weapon or mm-hmm. hate or fear or rage or guilt. It will kill mm-hmm. you. It is an energy that when it goes into tissue that's made for love will cause pain yeah. and trauma. Now, we get warning signals. We get pain. Oh, gee. Oh, well, I'll go take a pill and I'll shut that pain down rather than what's the thought? What's the energy here that I need to deal with? Mm-hmm. And then and teams of people around them that when that happens, it's safe to go, ooh, what's going on? I need support. I've got a piece of work to do rather than look what you did to me. And when I stopped responding out of those unconscious dynamics and I recognize this, the sooner I can catch myself, the sooner I can become aware, the faster I can heal my diseases. But they ultimately, whatever perceptual disease there is, there is a corresponding so-called physical disease, an expression of that energy in physiology, and it's just part of the warning system. You're saying, hey, Mm. here's something you need to deal with. Hostility or fear is like the early warning signal. A cancer Mm. is like, this is a deep, trying to get your attention kind of signal. Cancel the thought of it. Mm -hmm. And everything in between is just your structures telling you continuously what your creative process looks like. That's what emotions are. They're they're giving us a warning signal about what it is that we're creating in our lives and in our structures. So interesting that when I use the tool, sometimes it gets me to a place where I can take a practical action that finishes the the immediate problem. I'll give you the example right. of feeling resentment to my the powers that be at my church because they have refused now to let Michael work with the refugees because he has a little dog who he the dog stays isolated in a carriage and right. has never bothered anybody and Michael's done a good job and I was telling you about this. <laughs> so I yes. I'm thinking this is I'm I feel badly. I feel like a victim. I feel like a victim on his behalf. I've got a lot of garbage going on about this. So I get to the point where I thought, I need more information. Because right now I wanted to strangle the one refugee woman who I think was the one who complained. Ooh, strangle. Wow. You know what That's I mean? pretty strong. Mm-hmm. It is been yeah, been there, done that. I mean, no. <laughs> okay. So I go in there and... I ask around a bit, and one woman, it's, she is like my angel, and she's done this before. I couldn't get any answers. I heard that there were complaints, plural, and it's cultural, and this and that. And finally, this woman comes into the kitchen, who's one of the volunteers, and she said, I know you're really upset about Michael, and he was wonderful here. But she said, I'll tell you, some of the refugees were refusing to eat the snacks because there was a dog in the kitchen. And it wasn't just one person. It was a lot of people. She Uh said there are cultural things. They don't feel the same about dogs that we do in some cultures. I don't know which one it is. Arabic-speaking, maybe Muslim, I'm not sure. They're unclean. Mm -hmm. And they, they, 
make other things. Uh, I didn't know that. And so, yeah, it's very interesting. So suddenly this band across my chest. That all makes sense now, doesn't it? it? It does, but you know, Michael, it took an outside person to finish the work. I wasn't going to yeah, be all Isn't it nice clear. that all these it's, angels appear? I know. It was great, <laughs> but it does make me think. We are working in a huge fish tank connected, but and that I also had to think about the fact that sometimes we're not able to do our stuff all by ourselves. We need help. <laughs> we need those angels. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 2,000%. Mm. Can I add something? Well, I, um, Go yeah. for it, Jean. Uh, you were talking about, you know, needing to let go of the demons before the good angels could come in. You'll notice on the worksheet, too, like in in step 5A, you have to cancel the goal first. You have right. to let go. Exactly. And then you yep. can ask yep. Ruka in 5B to assist. Spirit won't take over until you're willing to let go. So I did, yep. and I asked to be shown, but the shown was the woman. My interior showing didn't cut it. I was still, I gave up goals all over the place. But she, I get it, Jeannie, it's right in there in the worksheet. And, and great that it's in there, but man, and Michael, you said another thing in this talk you just gave about boundaries, and I've been thinking about boundaries. My daughter and I have been talking about the fact that Michael is still here. She says, "Mom, I don't get it. I mean, how can you do that?" And I say, "Well, we don't need the whole house. We our house isn't big, but we have this basement that's finished, and Jacob isn't down there right now. Nobody's down there, so we could do that." And if I had to get an assignment from God to do this, God was very good to me because this is a very easy customer. But she said, Mom, right. you've got to draw a line. And you always had kind of bad boundaries. Remember, you always used to bring people and put them in our attic in New Haven. We had a stream of, you know, suddenly a whole family of Africans who were homeless in a family fire. And they came and lived in our attic for, gosh, the, the wife was there for weeks and the father found another place because I don't know something about our dog he didn't maybe there it is he didn't like our dog um anyway he said mom you've got to set up some boundaries and I'm thinking I don't know even what she means and I'm trying to look at codependence and stuff like that but I have to have another talk with her (laughs) anyway but you mentioned boundaries and you said something bad about boundaries so say again what you were saying if you don't mind well, just that a boundary, as I'm saying, I want to draw a line. I want to separate here. Now, does that mm-hmm. mean that I have to put up with every, you know, terrible thing people do? No. I have, I have every right to walk away. And yeah. the the key becomes, if if I need to walk away, if I say, you know, this is not how I choose to live, can I do that from a connected space of love? If I do, mm-hmm. then walk away. Mm-hmm. And if I do it from a space of some form of hostility or fear, before I walk away, I better do my work around it or I'm going to turn around and create it with somebody else. And and what I've noticed right. over the years is that when you create it with somebody else, the intensity grows. <laughs> it gets yeah. stronger and stronger and stronger. 
And so, you know, does somebody have a right to divorce somebody and say, I, I don't want to live this way? Absolutely. Absolutely. But can I, have I cleaned my end of the rope up? Or if I yeah. haven't, then I'm going to have to find somebody else to play it out with. Michael, I wish you could have heard my youngest grandson on the phone this morning. He's one who's so well, but I don't often talk to him because he's got his whole life. But he said, right. or he said, or I broke up with my girlfriend. And he said, I realized that I chose her because she was a lot like my dad. Including mm. bad wow. And I know. And I talked to him months ago when I visited about the power person dynamic. He said, remember when you were telling me about the power person dynamic? I realized that's what's happening here. And I was triggered to act like my dad against her, too. And we couldn't seem to fix it. So we had to break up. And I miss her, and I love her, but I can't have a relationship with her. And it hurts, Mm -hmm. but he... You know, your work with these worksheets, Max has never done a worksheet, but it kind of trickles down. So he's getting the benefit of the tool. <laughs> sit, sit down with him and take him through a worksheet. What oh, again? I would and I might. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's I mean, a geez. great boy. I mean, for him to, to understand that, to come to that conclusion on his own, is pretty awesome. Yeah. And He's so brilliant. give him, you know, he he yeah. sounds like he'd be probably just ripe and ready for the, the tools. Yeah, he is brilliant. He's he gets a lot of things. So anyway, very um, cool. Well, you know, who knows? You. Maybe the reason he's here is to do that work. Maybe that's what Maybe. his uh, his life is about. Oh, what maybe it's, How many years has he been circling the earth? Eighteen. <laughs> oh, eighteen! Wow, what He's a what to an to age college. to get that insight. I know. Yeah. So the conversation I would love to have with him is, yeah, son, you really all, but things that she does that resonate things in you that cause you to withdraw your your being as love. So it isn't about loving her, which for most people is approving of her. It's about you Mm -hmm. functioning as love. And when you can't, there's your work. She's giving you the gift. She's pointing to you you to exactly what you need to forgive in you. And so if you're interested, let's do that worksheet. And you might just find that that whole reason to, you know, to run away from someone that you feel a strong affinity toward will disappear. Boy, How that cool would, would be that scary be? to him because she had, she was like his dad, so she would have to do the work too. <clears throat> I mean, no, maybe no, he could go no, back. No, no, she doesn't have to do the work. I mean, it's wonderful if somebody else, and if they won't, then that just means probably there's a stubborn place in him where there's another, he needs another level of prodding to learn forgiveness. And I say that from experience. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. For me to suggest to him that there's any remnant of hope for a relationship with her would be very upsetting. Um, so. Well, it would show him the I upset parts it? of his mind. It would be his next piece of forgiveness to do. 
And that doesn't mean he needs to go back to that relationship. It just means that he has power person dynamics that he has practiced putting into his brain's image of her. And when he can collapse those, then, you know, the game's going to change. You know, it's like Jeannie nice to use the idea, the, uh, the example of, you know, playing a tug of war. You've heard her say that many times. And so if, uh, if you're playing a tug of war, the game of war, you know, tug of war, and you decide to drop your end of the rope, doesn't matter what that other person wants to do. Their game's got to change because yeah. you're not holding on to the rope. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. So, oh, so boy. Well, I would frame it for him as today. an opportunity. Yeah, I'd frame it for him as an opportunity to heal the dynamics that he's not healed with his father. Oh, definitely. And he is looking at that because he says, I don't want to just go into another relationship and do the same thing again. I don't want to be right. a girl who's going to be like my dad again. I have to learn how yeah. to recognize the pattern. I said, boy, if you can do that. Jonathan did that years ago. He had a bad negative pile of girlfriends, one after the other. Same thing kept happening. He said, Mom, I have to pick this girl from a different part of my mind is how he put it. And I said, well, that sounds like a good idea. Well, he found a wife, and she's, they've been together, and they're great. But it wasn't, it, there was a certain visceral attraction he had to this kind of girl. And he said, this girl doesn't have that kind of whatever it is, bite or whatever it is. But she's a wonderful woman. And I think I could grow to love her, but love for him meant, being based on that type of person, he had to bypass that. That's really amazing. Right. So I'm going to send you a link to the streaming of uh, Healing Through Relationships. Is he there locally? No, he's in Jacksonville. Ah, okay. Well, then I would suggest sending this to him and okay. inviting him to to look at it. And or I will. He's on week vacation. Perfect. Well, and, and perhaps even inviting this young lady to uh, to share it with him. We have, there's one couple, you've, you've likely been on the show when I've shared this before, but there was one couple who were doing this work over a period of, she was actually very involved, came to an intensive, he was kind of out there on the periphery and wouldn't have much to do with it. And uh, he finally did come and do one intensive reluctantly, and they just had a lot of conflict. They'd gotten together very young. There'd been some cheating in the relationship, blah, 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 blah. And um, they were divorcing. Um, Mm -hmm. They had three kids. They literally had their – they contacted me after this happened. They literally had their bags packed, sitting waiting to be loaded in the car. And she said to him, would you just watch this video with me? Oh, my God. Yeah, and they sat down on the spot and watched that video, mm-hmm. and they were just back in full-blown cherishing each other and being with their kids and having an awesome an awesome time. That is fabulous. That's good. So, yeah, send me that link. That would be great. I and will. And I can pass it on to him, and thanks. Cool. Whoa. All right. Sweet. So that is on its way to you, and you know maybe the next thing to do would be to uh, to share with him a uh, a worksheet and see where it goes from there. All right. 
but it sounds like he has the perfect partner to show him exactly what he needs to work through. And mm-hmm. if he works through it, then it's going to be delight for him. Yeah. Okay. Sent. And I just yes. got this little sweet face of Kaylee Joe who's come to visit me. Hey, there's oh, sweet those girl. Photos. So cute. Those uh, Facebook pictures are wonderful. Thanks, Michael. I'm yeah. checking my text. Here it is. All right. It should be in your inbox. It is. I see it. Processing Thanks. through it all. <laughs> all right. Well, any other thoughts for you? No, I ran out. I think that's it. All right. Well, we have another hand up. Uh, it's area code 517. I think this might be Rex or Missy. Yes, it is Rex. Hi, Jeannie and Michael. Well, gee, haven't heard your voice in a long time. How are you be, young man? Well, I'm doing some deep uh, healing and processing of the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. Other than that, no big deal. Right? Cool. Yeah, yeah I, I hear in your voice there's some some energy moving. It's a good thing. Yeah, there's a lot happening. And and I wanted to comment um, for the, the woman that just shared um, that sometimes when we the young man says, yeah, this is my power person dynamic, which it sounds like it is. But he also wanted to identify one side of his power person dynamic. And I, I think that can be a, a hindrance at times because what we're most aware of isn't very often the issue, right? And so I think it's important to be open to the other sides of it. I always thought it was, you know, my power person dynamic as my dad, well, then I came into play that my mom played a much more subtle role that I was harder for me to see those variables yeah. in there. So I just wanted to mention that as well. Yeah. Yeah, we tend to have many power persons, all of us do, and yes. the key way to determine who the active power person is in any given circumstance is whose behavior do I do when I'm under stress? That's where the real key lies. So looking at behavior, oftentimes it's, it's not the person you thought at all. It was just a... That that was just a distraction. So you're right on track with that. Awesome, great show. I really appreciate it. I know you've got to close it out, but love you all. All right, blessings. Take care. So everybody, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you. Lots of love and blessings, and have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.